have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. some decals made, maybe some vinyl or monograms, then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself, Go check out what she can do for you, and as a special treat for my listeners, if you use the promo code FLYNN, that's F-L-Y-N-N, she's even going to get you 10% off your order. Now, you can't beat that, so go check it out and see what she can do for you. And I know you hear me. People have always asked me, Flynn, how do I become a professional wrestler? How do I become an actor? How do I become a podcaster? How do I get an agent? Well, if you're somebody that's asked these questions, then I've got the solution for you. I'm now offering coaching options that will help you find the answers to these questions and get on the path to success. So if you've been held back by fear, overthinking, or just don't know where to start, email me at theflynnhendricks at gmail.com, use the subject line coaching, and let me get in your corner and help get you on the path to success. And I know you hear me. Hey, I'm Brian Von Vier. Have you ever wondered what it's like to listen to an amazing podcast with voice actors and narrators? Ah, and bald people? Whoa! If so, today's your lucky day. The most handsomest fellows in the whole wide world are going to be talking to your favorite voice actors from around the globe. Ah, how amazing is that? And they're doing it right here, right now, on I Know You Hear Me podcast. We have tons of celebrity guests, such as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Stop it, Arnie. We're not quite ready for you yet. And your favorite returning characters like Sylvester, I had seven strokes Stallone. I can't see you right now. That's okay, Sylvie. You go sit in the corner. We'll take it from here. Right now, let's get right into the podcast, shall we? Welcome back, everybody, to another awesome, exciting episode of I Know You Hear Me with me, Flynn Hendricks. And, man, it still blows my mind that we're actually here in a studio now. I've got just Jeff over here doing his engineering wizardry. Like, that's well out of my element. But, you know, I've got an awesome guest on the line here. And it's crazy to say now that I've known about this guy for three years as this airs. And we're finally getting the chance to sit down and chat. And I am looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to all of you getting to hear the conversation as well. 
But before we get into the fun part of this episode, got to take a few minutes to thank everybody for not only continuing to subscribe and support, but for following us on social media, for getting the word out there, and just helping this network grow, not only for I Know You Hear Me, but for Tales from the Haunt as well. I mean, these things are taking on a life of their own. You guys are digging what we're putting out here, and... Trust me when I say that from the bottom of our hearts, Jeff and I are beyond grateful to be doing this, and there's a lot more fun things coming too, so if you haven't already, subscribe, that way you don't miss anything. Both podcasts are on all available podcasting platforms, and we're on all social media as well. So go subscribe, leave a five-star and a written review if you think we've earned it. Go follow us on social media and just spread the word and let the good times roll into your earbuds from there. And go get caught up in the archives too. Cheap plug, there's a lot of cool stuff that you've missed out on, so get caught up. But before we go any further, I do have to take a minute. We're going to listen to a word from the Give Me Back My Podcast Network. This is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Dan. Join us every two weeks as we dive into the classic action movies of the 80s and 90s. That's right, Charlie. But we also take a look at some of the current films out there that still has those nostalgic feels for us. Exactly. So make sure you find us on all your major podcasting platforms. And check us out over on Facebook. We have a group where the conversation's always going 24-7. We're having a good time. I think so. I'll be back. And we're back. Now, this is the fun part. Like I was saying earlier, I've known about this guy since, man, I, I can't believe it's been three years because 2019 doesn't feel like it's been that long, but I've known this guy through, uh, if you're in the voiceover world, you've probably heard of the Bloomvox community, and I mean, it's like the uh, the cool kids club, so to speak. I've known about this guy through there, uh, thanks to Steve Bloom. And then I've gotten connected with him on social media. You know, we've exchanged messenger messages through Messenger. I can't even get my words out. Horrible voice actor right here. But, you know, we've communicated through social media. But this is the first time that we're getting the chance to actually sit down and chew the fat and learn more about his story. But, I mean, he's an accomplished gospel and R&B singer. He's worked with a who's who in the voice acting industry and in, in the musical realm as well. And... Guys, this guy is just kicking ass and taking names, and it is my pleasure to have on the show tonight Heath Martin. Dude, thanks for making the time to be on here tonight. Man, thank you so much. What a great introduction. I appreciate oh, you. you. I appreciate the show. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Of course. And like I said, like I've known you for three years now, or known of you as the best way I'm going to keep putting it, because we haven't actually got the chance to, you know, like get to know each other's stories, and this is going to be that chance. So I am. Super excited to just get away from reality for a little bit and learn more about you. So, again, thank you for, you know, taking the time to come on here. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. And, yeah, we all dance in similar circles. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're always one step away from each other at Absolutely, any given time. man. And that's, that's the crazy part, too, is because if you don't know each other, you know somebody that knows somebody, and it feels like you're meeting somebody you've known forever. And yeah. that's, that's the cool part about this whole thing, but... Dude, you know, like, uh, getting familiar with you, man, your backstory and your entertainment resume, wow. Like, I didn't know all this stuff went in, like, to, to your life and everything you're doing now. So, like, dude, let's just jump back to the very beginning. Where did you develop it's, this passion for performing and, you know, starting out in music? It's been a, it's been a long road. It's been a tumultuous road. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've been singing since I could form words. Um always the one that would would entertain families at get-togethers and mm -hmm. gatherings. My dad used to have these big white penny loafers that were about five sizes too big for me. I'd put <laughs> them on and do a little Michael Jackson impression nice. and 
I just, you know, I'd, I'd provide entertainment until it Absolutely. became more than just a party trick. It became a passion, something that I pursued actively. Absolutely. And you guys can't see it right now, but he did break out the white glove. He did do a moonwalk in his booth there, but, you know, like, and he didn't knock the microphone either over, ugh, over either. That's the key there. I'm just stumbling over my words because I'm impressed. But what I want to know hearing all that now is when your family caught on to this and they started seeing you perform and, you know, provide the entertainment, did they think that this was just kind of like a phase or just, you know, like a little novelty or did they start getting supportive as they saw that bug continue to grow? That's a kind of a double-edged sword because with the, with the arts and the entertainment, it's very hard for a, for a parental unit to look at that as a career path goal of their child and be like, yeah, go for it. You know, you're going to have a lot of suffering and a lot of, you know, it's going to be a lot of pain and you're going to lose a lot of sleep, but yeah, yeah, go down that road. But, and as parents, we don't want that for our kids as an entertainer. I don't necessarily want it for my kids, Mm -hmm. but I support whatever they do. My brother though, on the other hand, has, has, He's been my number one supporter since I was awesome. 14 years old. Like he's always told me that I have what it takes and and he doesn't even listen to my kind of music. Like he's a death metal dude, like wow. he's cradle of filth, he's you know, uh anything <laughs> heavy. Yeah, anything real heavy and I've been singing R&B my whole life. So, um but he'll give me an honest outside unbiased opinion because he didn't even like my style of music right but he could but he could take what i did and you know and understand that it was legit like mm-hmm. he could see the he could see the passion behind it he could see the talent that it took to do it and then he's always just you know if i needed to uh, i don't know expenses or go somewhere to be a part of something or he always was just there to support that Man, i mean from day awesome. one and he's still that way to this day and i'm 47 so i mean man that and that's a rarity in itself right there too that you have you know whether it's a friend or whether it's a family member even like that you have somebody that is that steady of a rock to be your support system like that is an amazing amazing thing that's like finding a unicorn basically yeah seriously but that's awesome so so when this stuff ever works out i got him covered I'm gonna take <laughs> of care course of, of course <laughs> take care of those that take care of you but that's right. you you mentioned the diversity in y'all's musical choices. What was it? Because you know, like like I mentioned in your introduction, you're an accomplished gospel and R and B singer. What was it that drew you to those two particular genres? I have always felt different. I've always felt like I didn't quite fit in, mm-hmm. although I was versatile enough to fit in anywhere. Yeah. So so I I could fit in with the jocks. I could fit in with you know the the stoners and i could fit in with the rockers and i could fit in with the D D guys that you know would gather and play mm-hmm. on the you know in the cafeteria floor over in the corner away from 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 persecution if you will yep you know because because when i was growing up it was that wasn't the cool thing to do it wasn't it wasn't the end thing to do yeah. to be into nerd culture to be into comic books to be into dungeons and dragons and, but but closetly i was i was yeah. into all that stuff Plus I was into sports, plus I was into music, plus I was into girls. So it was like, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> like, what what was it about those genres? Oh, those that, genres. Yeah, that led you to it. But I'm, dude, I'm picking up everything you're putting down because so much of that hits home too, where all the things that we loved weren't cool to like back then. And yeah. as I've grown up, I've become kind of that social chameleon like you where I can 
blend in or fit in wherever it's needed. But growing up, man, I was... I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons, but I was that kid that liked all that stuff that wasn't cool to talk about. So yeah, I, I, I yeah. get every bit of that. Yeah. So with the and with the genres, it was what spoke to me. What spoke to me was hip hop culture. What spoke to me was uh, urban style, urban art, urban mm-hmm. everything. Um, and that's what. And well, my mom raised us in the church, so the church part was. I took my type of music into a church of Christ, not 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 a Baptist style church, but a Baptist style uh, of singing. So the yeah. the gospel style of R and B, I introduced that into a into a church that probably wouldn't have had that type <laughs> of vibe. You know what I mean? Um, but that was just how I felt at home. That's how I felt at home expressing myself. That's what made me feel um, like I was part of something. You know? Absolutely. And then as you start getting more comfortable, like in these genres and you start finding what speaks to you, how do you start pursuing this, you know, as a dream to go on to work with these major and independent record labels that you had, you know, that you got signed by? How did that all progress? That was a really a lifetime in the making. I mean, it was trial and error, right. mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, so early on, it was just, I got to be the best at what I do. So if there's, at the time, there was three white dudes singing R&B. Me, uh, John B., and not Robin Thicke. um, It was before Robin Thicke, but I can't think. Remy Shan, Remy Shan, at the time. And so I said, I'm different because I have a a totally different style. I'm more street, they're more pop, Mm -hmm. uh, or, or Remy is more, you know, alternative or neo. So... What do I bring to the table that's different? So I started developing my unique style, which is something that is carried over for me in voiceover. Absolutely. We all have our own very unique pathway. We have our own unique voice, our own unique style. And once I learned what my technique was, what my style was, what my flavor was, I just kept pursuing, kept pursuing. I'd do open mic nights. I would... um, I would meet promoters and and open or go do performances at little hole in the wall clubs all over from the time I was mm-hmm. 17 to the time I was 30. Like I just like I love performing. So I would find any opportunity I could to perform. And then it's about networking, it's about yep. planting seeds, it's about developing those relationships and then one thing leads to another. Maybe they don't have a roster spot at the time, they don't know how to market you. So you're you're grinding, you're grinding, and you're just doing what you're just putting out art. You're you're, yep. you're making songs, you're meeting producers to get beats. You're doing whatever you got to do, just to create, just to be creative, to stay in that space. And then eventually, the right person hears the right thing, and then you get an opportunity. Now, most of those opportunities, in my experience, uh, the first time I got signed was because they felt that I was a in direct competition with John B who was on uh Yab Yum at the time which is Babyface's wife's mm-hmm. like his wife's label at the time. Gotcha. So he had LaFace, she had Yab Yum, John B was on Yab Yum and I got signed by an affiliate of LaFace to keep me off of the market basically. Gotcha. Um so that wasted about a year of my life uh-huh. and then they decided that it wasn't, you know, we weren't they weren't going to tie me up. So I kept it moving, and, I, and then I met another manager and another agent, 
who was Dick Scott, who was the agent for New Edition and Boys to Men and some other wow. acts at the time. And, you know, I started working with those guys and, and created a new sound, a new, a new, I got a way more street and a little bit less pop and uh, just really got deeper into that mentality of it and that aspect of it. And that ended ugly. Uh, <laughs> my manager basically left me to be the road manager for Robin Thicke. And he oh. didn't tell me. So oh, it was wow. like, I was, I was in Washington State. I had just come back from Los Angeles where, his, where he and his company was, where I had been for the past, you know, about a year working mm -hmm. and everything. Came back to Washington State, was driving a truck for a living, and I get a call from one of my producers. Hey, did you hear what happened with Robin, you know, this, that. And he told me the whole story, and it was the first I had ever heard of it. And I never talked to wow. dude again until, like, years later, I was in town doing something totally unrelated, and I just called him up to see what he was up to. And that was the next time and the last time I ever talked to him. Wow. So, so after that, there was a long period of, like, Fuck the music business. Yeah. I don't I was done, like done, done. And uh through some friends that I used to sing with and some other things like that, I just kinda I missed it and and was looking for an opportunity to do something, but I wasn't really pursuing it. And my boy Taiwan Peavy out of Atlanta, he's a producer and a singer and a songwriter. He um he hit me up and was like, dude, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I mean, what do you have in mind? And he was like, well, I got these records. So he sent me some tracks. I recorded an album that you can get to from my website. Um, <laughs> we'll have I, links I record, in the show notes. Right. <laughs> I recorded the album and it kind of resurrected something in me that was, I thought I was done, done. Yeah. I mean, finished. And so I got back on that that whole vibe. But, but then what happens is, is when you're chasing that and there's like, they're dangling the carrot in front mm -hmm. of you and you're trying to get to the bag and it's just, you don't you stop being who you are yeah. and you start being this thing this entity this commodity um and then the 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 issues would would pop back up the things that I dealt with before that I hated like oh he's too white to sing that type of music oh he's too big he's too old he's too whatever i mean it, you always had to be something else other yeah. than what you are and that was the thing that really attracted me to voice acting. Absolutely. I've been a tree. I've been a monster. I've been a demon. I've been an inanimate object. I've been a dad. I've been a son. I've been a baby. I've been so many things as a voice actor. I've been a Sith Lord. Uh, I, I'm still jealous on that one. Dude, <laughs> I like I get to be anything I want to be. And no one's yeah. like, nah, he's he's too white. He, he definitely cannot play this alien. You know what I mean? And it's like. So it was like night and day, the culture difference. Yeah. And just the people, the support, the everything about it was like, yo, you should have found this like a decade ago. Absolutely. And man, it, it blows my mind. And I'm, I'm not going to make this a wrestling centric conversation by any means, but like so much of what you just described right there, like nearly mirrors the wrestling business, whether it's at the high end, like WWE level that people know about or the little lower independent levels, you know, like performing at these hole in the wall places, somebody dangling the carrot in front of you and you, you want to make it to that next level. You want to get that next contract, whatever it is. And you lose sight of who you are in the process. But when you get to that point, this you're either, you're not tall enough. You're not this, you're not that there's always some excuse for it. But like, 
in saying all that too, where when you thought you were out before you got to that point too, even, and you said it yourself, you know, like you've got to be the best at what you do, almost like a perfectionist mentality. Did you ever feel like that was starting to push you to that point before you had the first, uh, you know, you took the first break away from the performing industry? Oh yeah, absolutely. I w- I felt like there was pressure on me to be the best from the from the minute I professionally stepped into a studio. Oh yeah. Before that I was playing. I was just playing yeah. around, a kid a kid with some talent, no big deal. As soon as you make that commitment to make that very first recording and call yourself a professional, it was on. Game I, and and I and I'm an athlete, so all I know is how to pursue excellence. Absolutely. That's that's it. Um, and it's really kind of, it's detrimental at times because I take everything, all my eggs and I put it in one basket and I'm all in and I'm fucking going for it. Right. This is, it's do or die. It's this or nothing. And that's kind of like how my whole life has been until like I hit my forties and then I started to chill out. (laughs) Dude, I I know it all too well. And I mean like. When you when you started noticing those changes too, and you stopped putting all the eggs in one basket as you were you know as you were getting more mature, did you feel yourself fighting that mentality, or did you just start going with the flow and things started getting easier? What was it that like was there an aha moment that made that happen, or what was that like? I hadn't had an aha moment at all in music. I didn't have my aha moment until I got till I discovered voiceover. That was my aha moment. Because then I learned that I could live with gratitude and I could be myself and I could, you know, do the thing, you know, still chase excellence through training and practice and work. But it didn't have to monopolize my entire existence because, you know, I'm a I'm a family man. I've got a huge family. I've got five kids. Um, Two of them still live at home. And I just. I needed to be able to have balance and separate. Yes. But I, but as I was pursuing music, it was like there was nothing else. There was no, there was no plan B. So I pursued it with a relentless which which is good and bad because I it's bad because I gave everything to it. I didn't have anything left for anyone else. Right. Or right. my or myself. And I didn't know how to how to oh, God. spread it out right. Yeah, yep, I, right. I know that feeling all too well, and that's been a that's been a journey over this last year for me too. So yeah, I, dude, I know it all too well. But when you <clears throat> when you get the transition into voiceover, what uh what was that like for you, and what actually like drew you to that point? Because I know like Steve Bloom has been a huge influence for you. I mean, as <clears throat> as he should be, because that guy is the epitome of gratitude, giving back to the industry, and just all around being a good person. I can't sing his praises enough, but you know, like yeah. what was it that got you not only familiar with him, but then, you know, teased your interest to actually pursue voiceover. Yeah. So I, um, my album had been out for about a year, mm-hmm. maybe two. It, it really wasn't doing anything. Like it wasn't doing anything through personal promotion. Uh, I wasn't doing anything through the label. It wasn't doing anything through the sites. It wasn't doing anything through the, whatever streaming service it was on or what any nothing it right. just wasn't doing well so i was kind of lost creatively and so the first thing that i did when i was lost creatively was i did i made my very first cosplay oh <laughs> costume i've never done this before nor since but i found a design for a batman costume 
Nice and choice. I may, yeah, and it's bad. I, I wish I could literally show it to you right now. It's right <laughs> outside my booth. I'll, I'll send you a picture. And please you can do, please the, do. I will. <clears throat> so I made a costume. I made a Batman. It, it wasn't a costume. It's a fucking uniform. I made a Batman uniform, even though it's made out of styrofoam, but it was badass and it was right. gave me a creative outlet. And as I was thinking about this and different ways to be creative, and my wife had brought it up on several occasions and I just blew her off because I was so hell bent on being a fucking rock star that I didn't want to know that there was another option to use my talents in another way. Right. Whether, you know, I knew obviously I could be behind the scenes i could be a writer i could be a you know a scratch track artist which is the guy that lays down the tracks for the labels and then they give it to their artist to do the actual recording mm-hmm. um i could have done all those things but i was so singularly focused on becoming anthony martin becoming who i was becoming am becoming who i was supposed to be yeah who i thought i was supposed to be that when I found voiceover, I was dead creatively. I had made the costume and it was cool, but then what? Now what? It was, I mean, okay, I needed another outlet. And my wife had said, why haven't you ever thought about voice acting? You love you love movies, you love theater, you love film, you love your voice. Yeah. <laughs> you love doing things with your voice. You love acting. Why haven't you thought about doing cartoons or doing something like that? And I said, you know, I've thought about it, but I never thought about it seriously because it's a it's an entire skill set that I'd have to learn from scratch. I've been doing this since birth. Why would I change what my natural gift is and what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, through conversation with her and through doing some research on my own, I decided I would look into it. The very first thing that I found when I put voice acting into the Google search was VO Buzz Weekly with Chuck Duran and Stacey J. Aswad. Mm-hmm. It's the only online talk show at the time. It was the only online talk show geared directly at voice acting. It's all about voice actors. It's all about the business, the agents, the managers, the demos, the, you know, everything that the, every single thing that this business entails and the legends, I might add. Oh, yeah. Are on this show or have sat on this couch. So I started by watching all the videos that I could. It was like a free education. Yes. And and I started to correspond with Chuck. So so I would I would comment on his YouTube videos. We we and he would respond back and then we started a rapport. And Chuck and I became friends over that period of time. And then he became a mentor of mine. And but I'll I'll backtrack. So that's that story leading forward and mm-hmm. it branches into several other stories as well. One of the guests on VO Buzz Weekly was Steve Bloom. And when I saw his interview and I saw, let me, let me go back a little bit. I, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with who all the voice actors were. Mel Blanc, yeah. yeah. Frank Welker, yeah. You know, Peter Cullen, yeah. I knew the three bigs. Mm-hmm. And I knew who Phil Lamar, I knew Phil Lamar did a lot of voices. Oh, yeah. Just because of, you know, I grew up watching Mad TV. And I love, yeah. I love Phil Lamar. So, <clears throat> I knew about four voice actors out of a billion, right? <laughs> I didn't I didn't know the players. So the first thing I did was I be, I familiarized myself with the players through VO Buzz Weekly. And I found a kinship with Steve Bloom because when I heard him talk, I was like he's in my range. I saw he played Wolverine. 
I was like, yeah, that's definitely my wheelhouse. I'd love to learn more about this guy. So I looked more into him and saw that he was going to start offering classes. He hadn't even started doing classes yet. And uh, so I was in the inaugural, you know, the inaugural class for yeah. the Steve Bloom, for Bloomvox Studios. And so I started training with Steve and Steve became a real mentor over the years because it was mutual. I loved the way that he uh, presented himself as an artist. I learned so much about gratitude and living with gratitude from him and being in the moment and just so many things about not only voice acting, but just being a man in general. And so I looked up to everything he did and I put in the work. I, it wasn't like I was just, oh, oh. and that was <laughs> yep. my, that was my whole game plan. No, I was putting in the work too. So, and when he could see that I was putting in the work, then the, then the respect became more mutual. And then it became a, I can't wait to work with you. Hey, yes. and, and I'm, you know, and we're back and forth and we're sharing uh, and, uh, you know, Comic-Con gatherings. And it's just, there's so many memories that have been built as a result of, of that decision to join Bloomvox Studios, my life has changed forever and it'll never be the same. Absolutely. And no I mean, matter what happens or doesn't. Yeah. It's it's already happened, like, as far as I'm concerned. And, I mean, just speaking on the mutual admiration there, too, because, I mean, like, I know he has, you know, publicly given you shout-outs and said you're somebody to look out for, which that is the highest of high praises. But then on top of that too, you see the photos that you share and he's not only made that impression on you, but he's also made it on your kids too. And that's the yeah. one that speaks volumes to me. That's huge. It was yeah. huge. I want to talk about Comic-Con for a minute because it was amazing. Oh, please do. Um, so the first, before I even had a chance to go to where his booth was and hang out with him for a little bit, which I spent the whole con basically at his table. It was fantastic. Um, he was doing a panel, a voice acting panel in the main hall. And I was like, yeah, I don't usually get up and ask questions. I don't ask questions in class. You probably noticed. Right, that. right. I, I mean, there's a lot that, of people, so. I do that for a reason. I do that because I feel like it's taken away from the students that really need to ask their questions. That's the Absolutely. first reason. The second thing is, is, is if something... If I do ask a question, it's usually a question I know the answer to, and I'm doing it for the benefit of the class. Of course. Um, so that's kind of why I don't really get involved in the, in the Q&A sessions of our classes. But going back to Comic-Con, he was doing the panel. He was up there with, uh, you know, Nolan North, D. Bradley Baker, and and uh, who else was up there? Uh, Ross Marquand. And... It wasn't the Twisted Tune panel. It was just a voice acting panel. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'll get up and ask a question. So I got up to ask a question. It was probably a question that I knew the answer to, but just wanted to ask the question. And as soon as they mentioned my name on the microphone, we had he didn't even know I was in the building yet. As soon as they mentioned my name as to who the next question was from, he said, Heath. And, he's, and he said, this is one of my students. You guys need to look out for this guy. This nice. is the next. He said, remember the name. That's those, and, that was, and then I asked the question and we went on. Um, but to your point, my kids were with me and I introduced him to the, to, to my two youngest and we all took pictures together and he was so kind and so giving of his time yes. and, and just, uh, selfless from the standpoint to where we had to go to a kind of like a tucked away area to really take some good pictures because of the crowd and everything. Right, and right, so right. we could take our masks off and all that stuff. 
and and we got it got to the point where they were trying to call him in and he was like oh hold on like he was brushing them off so that he could give my kids some quality time man that is and my kids are the probably the biggest fans of naruto that there are in the world i mean these kids my son has watched the entire series which is like 900 episodes seven times from start to finish Man. And I'm like, what What else have you done with your life if you've watched that show that many yeah. times? But <laughs> he loves Naruto. So Steve gave him a picture of, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to mess up the name. Orokimaru. Is that right? I think that's right. I think so. The evil dude from Naruto. <laughs> yeah. And he and he's, he signed it and gave him a nice little note on it and stuff and just spent some time with him. And my son was like in heaven, dude. He yeah. was like, he was floating around Comic Con like he had won the lottery, and it was the best day for me because I got to enjoy the enjoyment on their faces. Uh, you know, the, the 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 head guy from Celebrity Talent Booking, Jeff Zanini, the head of Twisted Tunes. He spent a lot of time with my daughter, and they have similar fashion sense, like the nice. you know the fl- the flare bell bell bottom style pants with the patches and stuff right right and and she was just like this is the best and for like a minute i was you know i was cool like i was that was a cool dad in in that moment i've fucking i've been on stage with genuine i've been on stage with jodeci i've been to i've been uh, i've done songs with h-town and none of that mattered none of it i introduced you to a to an actor from a cartoon that you love I'm the coolest person in the world for at least ten minutes. Man, it was it was awesome. What what is adulthood and what is parenting at that point? Like that is oh my god, that's that's amazing, oh, dude. That is oh and 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 Gwen, oh, I have I cannot pass this opportunity up to mention Gwendolyn King. She's Steve's assistant and yes. she books oh all of god, his cons yes. and stuff. She is phenomenal. Yes. I mean, she's she was so good with the kids. She was so good with the crowd in general. So good with all the students that come to see him at any con. You know, it's just she's a she's amazing. Yeah. Love her. Man, I, I got to meet both of them back at the tail end of twenty nineteen, uh, right before you know, right before the world went crazy, and they were the kindest, nicest people, and then just seeing him interact with people before I even got up to the line, seeing her interact with people, like, I mean, salt of the earth doesn't even do it justice, man. Like, they are just... They... And it it's so selfless because yes. they're not rushing anyone off to get mm-hmm. to the next person to get through the line, which some people probably do because there's a lot of people oh, who yeah. want to get to everyone. But Steve will sit there until the function is done and keep talking to to the fans yeah and it was so endearing and it shows you it shows you so it so vividly how you should be absolutely how how you should react to fans that are spending their money and their time and their their childhoods you know basically keeping you working yes you know and it's just he's i love him i love steve bloom and he is the greatest mentor I could have ever chosen for myself. 100%. I mean, just his teachings are, are what helped me get my foot in the door for voice acting. So, like, if you're looking for a place to start, don't only go check out D. Bradley Baker's website, I want to be a voiceactor.com, but sign up for Steve's classes in the Bloomvox Studios because, I mean, you'll get to go back in the archives. And, Jeff, I'm talking to you too because I know you've had interest in pursuing this, but you'll get to go back in the archives and 
see the videos of these who's who's. You'll get to hear, hear from somebody like Chuck Duran about, you know, like demo production. Charlie Adler, D. Bradley Baker, you name it. They've probably been a guest on here. So you'll learn from literally anybody that you grew up on as a voice actor. And it'll give you a whole new appreciation for this business and what they do, too. So if you're looking yeah. for a place and there to start... Is there is no shortage of nuggets. You can go back. No. What is, I think we're at episode 66, somewhere maybe, around 65. There, yeah. We're somewhere around 65, 66. You can go back and go to all the archives and watch every single video that there's ever been. I mean, there is stuff on breathing techniques. Yep. There's stuff on mic technique. There's stuff on being your authentic self. And then there's all the guests, oh, every, yeah. the a list who's who everyone you could imagine just about. I'm still trying to get Jess on the show or yes. on the uh, on the class. Oh my god, uh, Jess, that would Jess be Harnell from Animaniacs is another mentor Which, of mine that I would love to have come in. That's another thing I want to talk to you about too. Um, just to jump off uh, away from the Steve topic for a little bit here, but I mean, like, dude, you've had a who's who of mentors, whether it's you know been in the the music portion of your career or in the VO career. I mean, like, just VO specifically. You've had Steve, you've had Everett Oliver, you've had Jess Harnell, Bob Bergen, Joe Cipriano. Like, you've had a who's who, man. What is it like for you, um, you know, like, knowing some of these names, especially like a Jess Harnell, where you don't have, like, that... How do you keep the inner, like, child Heath in check that might have grown up on Animaniacs or something like that? The way to keep the inner child Heath in check is that I didn't know who the actors were watching all these shows that I loved. I've loved the shows forever. Yeah. I'm probably the biggest Masters of the Universe fan you'll ever meet. But I didn't know Alan Oppenheim was Skeletor until I became a voice actor. Right. I just didn't, I didn't follow the business. So I didn't know. And so ignorance is bliss in this case in which, and, and I had a very select group of people that I wanted to surround myself with. Mm -hmm. Let Joe Cipriano tell it or even let Bob Bergen tell it. I fucking stalked them. What I <laughs> so let me let me uh, qualify that. I believe in planting seeds and fostering yes. relationships. To me, that's there's nothing more important in business and in life is to plant those seeds, foster those relationships, provide value to the conversation. Don't just be the fan. Don't be the colleague. Be the one that that has commonality that has a similar approach to how they do things that that has a talent also that but you but you're not conceited you're not singularly focused on your talent you're focused on the business as a whole and making yeah. it better right i don't want to i don't want to be rich and famous i want to add value to a business that i love right and that's it's, it. it's fucking 180 from the music business yeah because if you didn't want to be rich and famous making music, you were basically just a hippie making music when I came up making music. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, all the videos had the gold, the flash, the cars, the women. Yeah. If you weren't chasing that, you were doing probably not doing going to make, weren't going to make it, first of all. And second of all, you're probably doing the wrong things. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but in, in voice acting, it's the commonalities that I saw between certain heroes. I tracked down all these people, by the way, I found on VO Buzz Weekly, and then I started following them, started engaging with them, mm -hmm. started sending them emails rampantly. No, Joe Cipriano. <laughs> I've got a great story about Jess. I've got a great story about Joe Cipriano. I've got multiple stories about Bob Bergen. 
Um, Joe Cipriano to me is the greatest voice there's ever been in promo, ever. He is one of he is one of the most recognizable voices you've ever heard. If you ever watched The Simpsons, you've heard his voice. If you've ever watched CBS, Fox, if you've I mean, if you've ever watched the Olympics, you've probably heard his voice. Joe Cipriano is the creme de la creme of voice over mm-hmm. promo. He is amazing. So I told him this much when I first sought him out. Basically, fanboyed on his email, told him what I who I was and what I was trying to accomplish and sent him a bunch of clips of my music and shit. <laughs> and he was like, okay, so you're a great singer. What, what does that have to do with voice acting? Nothing. Like, he was really like tough love Joe. Right. I right. mean, fucking, he, I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, Out of so left field. I, yeah, we had, a, we had a small correspondence at first. I sent him another email. He sent me another one. I sent him another one. And the conversation basically evolved to, Get the training, get, uh, figure out what you're doing. Don't rely so heavily on what you were as an R&B singer and learn what this business is. And I don't want to hear from you for six months. That was how our, our, our initial conversations ended. I don't want to hear you from you for six months. Did that hurt my feelings? Fuck yeah, that hurt my feelings. I'm a very sensitive man and right. that really hurt my feelings. And like truth. I was like, whoa, I was devastated because... Granted, I, I didn't have the long. It wasn't like a lifelong. I wasn't like a lifelong fan. Yeah. So, I, so it wasn't as painful as it could have been. But to hear from a hero in the new genre that I'm actively pursuing, dude, you're green. Get the fuck out of here. I don't even want to hear from you until you do a whole bunch of shit that you ain't done. So at first, I was upset and I was kind of offended, and I was like, "Fuck that guy." And, and, and I would not really, but I was, I was like, Meh. and I didn't contact Joe again for a year. Fuck your six months, Joe. I'll, double I'll give it. you, I'll double that. I'm doubling down. But in a year I had developed a website, developed a sound, had coaching from legendary coaches, Mark Grau, um, Everett Oliver, who's one of the greatest booth directors of oh, all time. Yeah. Um, you know, ongoing classes with Steve, correspondence with other guys, um, working with, you know, whoever I could get my hands on, really. Whoever I could afford and whoever I could get my hands on. Yep. Because it's, it's we have to be very selective on where our funds go when we're talking about training and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Because it's a, nece- and equipment upgrades, it's a, ne- it's a necessary thing, but you don't want to overextend yourself in one area. And I, so I tried to be as versatile and rounded as possible while developing the the main skills that I felt I was strong at in voice acting. Promo, commercial, video game, animation, and movie trailer. Those were my, that's kind of what I pursued. That's still what I do plus ADR, plus looping. Looping and ADR is often referred to as the same thing. Right, right, okay. right. So, <laughs> so, um... So I didn't come back to Joe for a year. And when I did come back to Joe, I had my shit lined up. And I I told him, I said, no, before I came back with my shit together. I told him, I said, you know, a, a year ago when you told me you didn't want to talk to me no more and this and that, it really hurt my feelings, but I had to take it to heart. And I had to learn that you were trying to tell me something within what I felt was a harsh message. 
And he responded right away, you know, as he always does. And he, he said, you know, Heath, I never meant to dissuade you or deter you from from chasing your dreams. I just wanted you to be more realistic about your approach, which means don't put the cart before the horse. Get the training. Of course. Get this and that and the other. And then, you know, come show me what you got type of thing. Yep. So that's what I did. And uh, by the time that came around, I did a spot for him. I did a spot that I heard on VO Buzz Weekly. It's a spot that I love. It's a spot by Scott Rummel, who I think is one of the best commercial voice actors in the world. He's just phenomenal. And it was um, it was for the Audi A6, I think. Let me think how it goes. No. Here's the commercial spot that I memorized. <clears throat> With precise control at every turn, the intelligent CTS-V sedan is designed to perform. Anyone can build a car. Only we can build a Cadillac. So I did that spot and I sent it to Joe. And he's like, buddy, I could hear him clapping. <laughs> fucking all caps. That was fucking great. Yes. And you know, and so it was such gratification. I waited a year, man. I waited a year to feel better about a bad start. And it was just, it was wonderful. And he's always, you know, he's not a direct mentor like Steve or one right. of the other, or Chuck or one of the others is that I contact regularly. But he is someone that I have been mentored from uh, from afar, mentored by from afar. Mm -hmm. Someone who I look up to, someone that I admire, someone who I had a chance to do a clubhouse meet and greet the other day, one of Mark Gus's clubhouses that he does every Wednesday oh, yeah. night. Um, and I did a reading and it was like, and, and just to have the, the gratification of hearing how he just thought it was awesome. It was perfect. It was spot on. It was, it was so nice to hear those words in retro from the original conversation. Man, it was that's... like full, it was full circle and it was beautiful. Absolutely, dude. And I love too that like, again, I feel like it goes back to the mentality you had, especially as an athlete that you get that tough love at the beginning and then it just made you want to pursue it that much harder to turn around and then look at what it led to in that relationship. And that is a beautiful, beautiful, powerful thing. And yeah. one thing too, like, especially too, like he, saying he wanted you to, you know, slow down and get a, you know, a realistic approach to the business. What was that like for you too? Because you know, like when a lot of people come in, they don't get that, that realistic love and that tough love and that come to Jesus speech right away. They want to jump in and get their feet in everything that may not fit them specifically. And yeah. when they get that rejection, it could, you know, push them out of the business and they may never find their calling on it. What was it like for you and how did you come to find your uh, your specific genres that fit Heath? Like, how, how did that work for you? For me, it could have gone either way. Yeah, that could have if if I if I didn't already have thick skin from 30 years in the music business, that might have pushed me right on out the door. And that wasn't his intention. So if that would have happened, then I probably didn't have the ilk to be here anyway. Of course. And that's how I would have looked at it years down the road in regret and self-pity. Right. Mm -hmm. So so. That that push that having that tough love. It hurt at, it hurt in a moment, but it drove me and it lit a fire in me, just like all these other stories, all mm -hmm. these other the the talking with Chuck Duran, the gesture by a mentor and a friend 
in regards to some some personal things that I won't get into with, that happened between Chuck and myself and and some just some awesome experiences just like 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 say this is the say Joe say Joe is the epicenter of my development as a voice actor mm -hmm. and from that point I branched out into a whole bunch of different things yeah and because of my ability to do that and to have different mentors and have some that are kind of cheerleader type mentors that are like, yeah, they're cheering for you no matter what the fuck you do. As long as you're doing something positive and creative and they're cheering for you. Yeah. There's those, there's those guys, right? So, so on one hand, I get the tough love from Joe. I get the go for it from somebody else. And I get the, you know, uh, stay steady from, you know, the stay steady from Steve. Stay in, stay in your element. Stay, you know what I mean? Stay in your lane, but don't be afraid to try things and do this and that. Be humble. Approach it with gratitude. Uh, you know, just so many lessons and so many key elements that were happening simultaneously. Maybe if it wasn't for being an active member of BVS, that Joe news might have hit me a little harder. Right. And maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have had a fallback to go, okay, I can still focus on this and stay on the path. There's so many factors that if if one thing was different, it might have been it might have turned out totally different. Absolutely. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful as heck that that I have people like Joe that can be fucking real. And Bob Bergen, yes. Bob Bergen was like, dude, just because you're a great singer doesn't mean you're a great voice actor. He told me the same thing about wrestling, too, in one of my yeah. first Bloombox classes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have corresponded with Bob over email, text, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for three years, going on four years now, ever since I first got into this business. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the first, another guy that I saw on there, which actually turned me on to the movie, I Know That Voice that John DiMaggio put out yes. about that voice actors, oh, man. which turned me on to even more voice actors. And and I started to see trends mm -hmm. from the interviews on VO Buzz Weekly to the class with Bloomvox to I Know That Voice, I saw trends. Everyone that was where I wanted to be lived their life with gratitude. They they wanted to be of service to whatever it was that they were involved in, right? They were good people, like genuinely good people. Yep. No ego. No, they're not ego driven. They're not money driven. Yeah, it's great to make money to do what you love, but it's the love of the craft that drives all of us. Bingo. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what attracted me to so many of my mentors. The, I'll tell a quick Jess Harnell story really fast. Oh, this would be awesome. I, um, I've been enamored with Jess ever since I came into this because he's Chuck's best friend, and he was the very first episode of Yo Buzz Weekly, and that connection there, and he's a rock star, and oh, yeah. he comes from music, and is you know it's there's so many things about Jess that I immediately gravitated to, right? And his his he's outwardly uh, gracious and grateful for everything. Um, so I saw an opportunity. I was about a year in. Uh, so this is about three years ago. I saw an opportunity to do a to join a Twisted Tunes panel at Fanex Salt Lake, mm -hmm. and it was they were holding a contest, and it was uh, it was basically I don't I don't remember what the contest was called, but it was the Fanex Salt Lake Jess Harnell voice acting contest. Now you could either do a great voice and get on the panel of Twisted Tunes and be a, a character on that show. Or you could give a great singing performance and sing with Jess after the Twisted Tunes panel on stage. Wow. I did both. 
Because, no. you know, why not? Nice. I, I'm a singer. I might as well sing. Absolutely. But mostly the thing that I focused on was I do a I do a scar impression. I've been doing Disney impressions for a long time because I um because I have kids and yeah. I love Disney movies and I love, you know, I love cartoons. So I've always done maybe not an impressions, not the right word. I'm not an impressionist because I don't do great impressions, but I take the the soul of that character and I make it my own and then Absolutely. somewhere in the ballpark is where we meet. So it would be something like life's not fair, is it? You see, I, I shall never be king. And you shall never see the light of another day. <laughs> you know, and so it's the very first scene of Lion King. The very first thing yep. out of anyone's mouth is Scar talking to uh, the mouse. Yep. That he's about to eat. Oh, yeah. And so I did that scene. One thing led to another. I win the spot. I win the contest. They're like, yay, congratulations. We'll see you in Salt Lake in two days. I was like, yeah, I'm with, okay. The corresponder's going to hit my email inbox. I'm going to get the travel itinerary and all this kind of stuff. No. So they did hit my, they did hit my inbox, but it was like, okay, so here's where you go. Once you get to Salt Lake, you'll come here to meet up with, and get your tickets for the panel, but you'll have to get your own tickets to get into the actual event and you'll have to get to Salt Lake. I was fucking <laughs> devastated. I was devastated. Yeah. You got to understand, I come from the music business where they're flaunting their status. They're flying you everywhere. Yeah. In the music business, I got flown all over the world to do different shit. Mm -hmm. Not over the world, but all over the U.S. to do, because I got warrants. I can't go. No, I don't really. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but I got flown all over. So that treatment was kind of what I expected. Yeah. Like, going in and winning a contest and hey it's kind of a big deal i've already become a fan of twisted tunes at the time so I'm, I'm aware of that and what that entity is what twisted tunes is for your listeners that don't know is they take a movie script say planes trains and automobiles and they get all your favorite voice actors they got darkwing duck they got the hulk they got wolverine they've got uh yakko and 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 wacko and they've got pinky in the brain and they've got all these characters that you love imagine imagine like i don't know what who's there, <laughs> what's, there, are what's two, some... there are two that jump out to me that are my personal favorites if that'll kind of help put it in perspective um like the first ones i saw were uh was like one of the opening scenes of the x-files and it was uh rob paulson as mark chang from the fairly odd parents and uh, Tara Strong, or I'm sorry, not Tara Strong, it was Great Lyle as Vicky the Babysitter, and they were Mulder <laughs> and Scully, and then the other one is actually um, Tara Strong as Bubbles, and then, um, who was Rob Paulson playing? They were doing the scene from The Big Lebowski where somebody peed on the dude's rug, and I can't yeah. remember who Rob was playing in that, but, I mean, like, it's... George Takei? No. Who was uh, it? Uh, that's gonna drive me crazy now. It's me too. I got now. I have to go look in the archives. I know, uh, but it's awesome. It, yeah. I mean, the the thing that it is is, can you imagine uh, your favorite? Yeah, your favorite. You know, say Tara Strong as Bubbles is one of your favorite characters of all time. Imagine Bubbles as Darth Vader. Yeah, like I, I can't do Tara Strong's voice, obviously. But <laughs> I'd be I'd be scared if you could. Your voice is strong with this one. No, <laughs> it's just it's so funny and it is it so is. it's classic so i wanted to be on the panel so bad of and course. i was 
devastated when I found out I had to get to Salt Lake in two days. So the, the expo was two days away and I had no way to get there. And I didn't have any favors I could call in. I didn't have any frequent flyer miles. I didn't have anything that I could just be like in the spur of the moment, yep, I'm doing it. And I, you know, I'm a father of five. I don't have savings as a general rule. I just don't have an emergency fund as a general rule, which I am starting as a businessman now starting to try and develop, Uh, which is my my big thing for 2022 is to make this more of a business, to, to approach it from the business aspect, to get my ducks in a row as it were, and to get my shit together, Absolutely. my taxes, I get everything kind of figured, ironed out. But I was just crushed. I I was like, I was thinking this was going to be a moment that I could really break through. If I'm on a panel of Twisted Tunes, there's going to be thousands of fans potentially in, in the Salt Lake area and everyone watching online that yeah. are going to get to know me and my voice for the first time, like at, on a big scale. Oh, yeah. I was pumped. And then I was crushed. And I... um. Jess knew I was crushed. I don't know. He had been paying attention he had, to the contestants, I think. And what's cool is if you watch the Twisted Tunes video of that Fan X, I think it was, it was 19's Fan X, you will see me on the Jumbotron. And the very first few seconds that they oh. show the Jumbotron is, me, is my face doing my audition up there, nice. up on the screen. So I was with them in spirit. Um, <laughs> but Jess kind of got wind that I wasn't, feeling right about it and I had a chance to do a kind of a an offset meet and greet thing that we did on on a zoom call and he was just like dude first of all you've always stood out to me and he goes into this it's on my website part of it is on my website you can kind of see what he said about me if you want but he goes into this thing where he acknowledges my existence which is huge for me just to know that someone that I admire so much knows that I exist, knows that I'm putting in this work, knows that one day I'm going to be alongside him and working together and wanting that, just like all my amazing public acknowledgments from Steve, that you can also see one of those on my website as well. Just blown away by the generosity and the uh, just grateful for the, just the the people that they are, right? Um, And so Jess goes on to tell me that, you know, and, and, you know, Chuck speaks so highly of me to him and, and to others and stuff like that. It, what it did was it took a, a situation where I was disappointed. Oh, and then he sent me a, he sent me a nice picture and signed it. And, 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 and I hang it in, I had it hanging in my booth for a long time until I realized it was a flat reflective surface. And then I put it out in my, in my main uh, garage there. But um, what it did was it took me at a point where I felt, pretty bad about what was going on and it drastically turned things around absolutely it lit a it lit a fire it let me know that someone that fucking knows what they're talking about is paying attention yeah someone that matters knows that i matter and it reignited a fire in me to be great it reignited a fire in me to 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 pursue excellence on a level from from everything from character development to improv to to dialect training with Tom Antonellis, who is another one of my mentors and just mm-hmm. a phenomenal colleague and friend. Um, I can't speak enough about him and 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 what he's meant to me. And <clears throat> and it just set me on another trajectory. So the way that I look at my career at coming into voiceover is there are tears to this. 
Yeah. There's that first tier when you come in, your eyes are wide. You fucking think you're about to take over the world. You know, you got high hopes. You don't know shit about shit, but you're gung ho, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't know your asshole from your elbow. You don't know anything, but you are going to do it. You're going to conquer. You're going to conquer it. There's that tier. That took me that I was on that tier for the first year I was in the business. Then after that, you've got your what it, it took me two years to be dim already. So my second year, I got way more humble. <clears throat> I got way more versatile in my pursuits. My knowledge grew of the business. I took a whole year to really just kind of see what the trends were, see what the commercials were sounding like, see what my sound was, see how many different variations of a character I could do. So every character has like a wheel of characters, right? So if, if my bass voice is this right here, this is my regular speaking voice, this is what I speak in there all the time. I've got the lower version of this voice that I can talk to you quite easily as well. It's always, it's right down here. It's a little more seductive. It's a little slower. It's a little more dulcet. Or I get the excited pitch when I get up here and I got all this energy and I don't know what I'm, maybe I'm a little younger at this stage and yeah. I got to just express myself in a different way. And maybe I'm a little whiny even because I'm a fucking Gen Xer. You know, there's, <laughs> so that was three voices off my bass voice. Yes. Just, just right there. Now you add a dialect to the voice yes. and you've got your low dialect, right? You've got your cockney down here. You, you, you've got something, something you can rely on. It's, it's, it's automatic, right? You can go to it wherever you need to. Or you bring it up here and it's, you know, it's the same as my regular speaking voice, but it's a different dialect. So I've got character range in all of my different facets of my voice. Yes. And so I spent that year discovering that aspect of this business, discovering all the cool little things that you could do. And then, and we hadn't even got into really character development yet where you, oh, well, maybe he's got a hunch. He, he sits over like this. This is how Uncle Noli does the penguin, right? He, he gets crunched up and he's a little crotchety because he's a fucking penguin. You know what I mean? Yes. And so there's different affectations and different body language that give characters different, uh, different levels and different kind of, nuances mm -hmm. and that took that wasn't i didn't start learning that shit until the third year so every year every tier and then there was the debt that so that was the year i got my commercial demo and then i got my first two agents and then i and then so there's different tiers so tier one i thought i knew everything i didn't know shit but i was gung-ho year two i mellowed out started learning that there were a fucking ton of aspects to this business i didn't know anything about and I started to develop those skills. Tier three, I started really fine tuning those skills. I, st I really, and my mentorships were going strong at this point, Yep. right? I've, I'm, I'm in direct contact with Bob, with, you know, with, with Steve, with Chuck, with Jess, with, you know, whomever I need. Christian Lance is another mentor of mine that is just a phenomenal actor and always available. Um, he's been so good. There, there's so many dudes, man. Uh, I want to. I'm, I want to think. I'm thinking of someone. Um, one of the first guys that I met when I got in the business was Townsend Coleman, who is a Ninja Turtle and a. Mm -hmm. He played the Tick. Um, he's a phenomenal voice actor. Oh yeah. And and he was one of the guys. He was the first guy that responded back to me, like as I was, I was bombarding every voice actor I ever saw on VO Buzz Weekly, 
Townsend responded back and because I sent a little clip of me doing this little I did you know the uh the speech from Pulp Fiction? Yes. Is he Ezekiel twenty five seventeen? Oh yes. I did that in a cowboy voice. Oh, that is amazing. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. The, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities or well, I don't remember the fucking thing. Right. But I, <laughs> yeah. but something like that. And I sent it to him and he was like, your cowboy is fucking great, man. It's spot on. It's original. It's that. And he was the first person that ever like gave me feedback on my initial hello. Right. And he's just been awesome. So every now and then I'll, I'll shoot him a message. Just, Hey, just making sure you're good. And this and that. And we still will comment on on posts and all that kind of stuff. So he's been awesome. Everyone in this fucking business has been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I can't think of one person, one person in this entire industry that I have actively pursued to be in their presence or in their in, in a mentorship relationship or have looked up to. I haven't been disappointed once. Not once. Not by an agent, not by a, uh, not by an actor, not by a director, not by anyone in the voice acting community. Not one time. And I, uh, that's a rare thing. Just speaking, you know, just cause you hear never meet your heroes. Cause most times they'll yes. let you down. Like that is, this is the absolute opposite of that. Like night and day difference. It's so true. These people are amazing. And like you said, it all comes from the humble and the, you know, the gratitude more than anything yeah. else. And so how could I not implement that into my own style? Absolutely. I've always been a gracious person. I've always been a kind person, but I didn't know how to live with gratitude. Yes. There's a difference. There's a difference between being a pretty cool dude and being thankful for fucking everything. Yeah. Every opportunity, everything that goes wrong, because it's a lesson. It's it's yes, I'm I'm in the midst of a fucking shit storm right now. Right now, physically, as we're on this Zoom call together, my life is a mess. I can Just, relate, I've got yeah. a lot. A lot of things are going on right now that are go that are not great things. Yeah. Am I gonna fucking just sit around and wallow in it? I. A lot of people would. Yeah. Well, let's let's be honest. A lot of people would. I can't. I don't have the luxury or the time to do that. That's so it. So I took a day. I got some rest. I maybe napped more than I should have whatever i vegged out watched some tv got rid of everything from my mental and then i'm now i'm back at it i feel like we just live the same life on the same day it's, the situation is the same yeah nothing has changed for me except my attitude yeah and my attitude has changed because i've been learning how to live with gratitude for four years straight and that's Absolutely. the only fucking saving grace that's it. it, it and I know huge difference. Yeah. And I know that with this pain, because I've been through this so many times, there's something fucking awesome right around the corner. Yep. It's all I know there is for the next best thing. Like you go through the hardships to get to that light at the end of the tunnel. And when you get to that light at the end of the tunnel, it's nine times out of 10 better than what you had, what you'd yeah. hoped for in your mind at that point. And the key now is because that happened with the fan X thing. That was a low moment that turned into a high point mm -hmm. that happened with it's happened with so many things. I don't it just happened with a lot of shit. <laughs> but but every time that it's turned around, it's been something amazing. And the the difference now 
the difference between now and back then is now I know how to be grateful for whatever's coming. Yep. Even though it's even though it's nothing yet. It might it might not materialize for a long time, but I know it's going to be yeah. something greater later. I I know it in my fucking bones. And that type of uh commitment and faith in something so powerful will <laughs> it will force the universe to I mean into good things. Yeah. Because it's you're giving off that energy. Like no one wants to be around someone that's down and uh, and whining and complaining, especially on fucking social media. Yeah, no one wants to see that. And that seems like no that's one what wants to see that now. So if there's a complaint to be had, it's complaining as it's it's being presented as an opportunity, a lesson. Absolutely. Well, I went to the doctor and found out I have cancer today. I guess I'm gonna go fucking golfing for a week straight and live the. And, you know, I'm living the. That's not yeah. what happened. I'm giving oh, an yeah, example. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm glad to hear that's not what happened. <laughs> no, no. I, I did go to the ENT recently for the first time ever, Whew. and I do have a sinus. I did have a sinus infection that has since cleared up, and I found out that I'm allergic to marijuana. So oh. um, it makes my nose really stuffed up. Oh, man. Like, really stuffed up. But I don't think it will anymore because I think that was a reaction to the nasal uh infection that i had and the harshness of that was right right it's a long drawn out story for probably a different show um <laughs> the 420 episode oh I man <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know there's something greater around the corner yeah. so so you just keep fighting and you keep doing the things that have worked you you keep learning you keep growing yeah, it's scary right now, but I'm going to have to go after some more training because I want to get into more dubbing. Yeah. And uh, there's a teacher that specializes in that that I'm going to be working with pretty soon. Just because that's what you need to do to keep growing. Absolutely. Even when it hurts, you have to keep growing you or you're going to You got to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. And man, I feel like you just answered one of the last two questions that I have for you too, but... Knowing, you know, like when you go through those down periods or you go through one of those lulls in the business because everybody knows there's seasons, there's ups and downs where you're booking, boom, boom, boom. Then you have the slow stagnant period for a little bit and then it picks right back up. Do you feel like, I mean, I feel like you've just answered this, but do you feel like the the gratitude and living with gratitude that you've developed over these last four years has helped you kind of navigate that portion of the business as well? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Without the gratitude... You could get stuck in that lull yep. and just be stuck down there until you decide to change your attitude. And then, oh, things are brighter. Things are things are improving because you fucking did something about it. Yep. You made a conscious decision to change your attitude. But if I don't have to change my attitude, then it's just going to be more constant. It's going to be more regular. I don't have to dip as long. Right. Yeah. I mean, like we're getting bombarded with all kinds of stuff. So from personal to business to everything to health to all kinds of stuff just all happening at once it's all there but it's it was going to be there whether or not i got upset about it and wasted a bunch of time worrying about it and yeah. I, it was gonna it was gonna happen so now okay now we're moving on to the next fucking thing you have to you have to have that mentality yes, you have you to do. have the thick skin to deal with all the 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 nose that's There's it. gonna be more no's than yeses. The all all the famous voice actors audition a ton and only book a couple. Yep. But they book the right stuff, you know? Yep. So they're constantly working. But we all miss on auditions. All of us. Absolutely. All the time. 
the more you do, the more you miss. But the more you do also, the more opportunity you have to book. Yep. So <laughs> that's I mean, that you're preaching the truth 100 percent right there. And then, man, my last question now. The, the kids have come up several times throughout this conversation. Now, have any of them, especially, you know, like getting to meet somebody like Steve, have any of them shown any interest in following in your footsteps, whether it's in voice acting or in music, performance, anything like that? Let me preface this by saying all of my kids are pretty talented. My my I have kids ranging from 26 to 12. So my eldest two daughters were vocalists, beautiful singing voices. Wow. Some of the some of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. Um now they didn't have that drive to pursue it like I did. Right. So so they're they just sing and that's fine. And that makes them happy and, and whatnot. Also my daughter Miranda is a is a has got a wonderful eye for photography and and all of my kids are heavily involved in the nerd culture. Like they love all the comics. They love, we all love the same stuff. Yeah. So that's that's a bonus. My youngest daughter has got a beautiful singing voice. She's a she's an actor. She's a singer. Well, she we've been in plays together. Oh, wow. uh, one of my greatest oh. joys ever was being on stage with my daughter, because I I come from a, a a performance background where I perform in clubs where twenty one and older, right? Yeah. So or or whatever, and they could never see me perform unless it was at a festival or a carnival or yeah. something, like, some outdoor event like on the waterfront on 4th of July or whatever. That's right? still pretty awesome right there though. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's the whole different life too. Cause oh, I had yeah. a band and we'd do the whole band circuit, but, um, but they never really got to see me perform. So to be able to act with her in two plays was the highlight of my acting life. Of course. Hands, hands down. My son, uh, my youngest son and my oldest son are both heavy into, you know, Spider-Man and things like that. And, video games and and anime and stuff but with my youngest son he the thing that we bonded the most over in his whole life was when i coached his football team nice. so he played football i coached football we went to canton ohio to the hall of fame to play in the in the national junior wow uh championship Hell where yeah. we came in we came in second place we lost to pensacola who was they lit us up man pensacola florida has a football team with their 10 year olds that they're throwing the ball all over the field. They, I mean, all we had was really jet sweeps. You sure they're just were trying kids? to, yeah, no, I wasn't, <laughs> but we got beat pretty bad and went home sad, but it was the experience. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. But since then with the comic cons and the, we've all, we all love movies. We all get yeah. together and have movie nights. We love Marvel. We love DC. Fuck all this shit about you got to pick what side you're on. No, no you I want it all. Yes. I, I'm a fan of DC. I'm a fan of Marvel. I'm a fan of Dark Horse. I'm a fan of Star Wars. I'm a fan of Star Trek. I am a fan of fucking everything. Yes. My wallet, not so much, but me, yes. Yeah, right, right. I've got a, I've got a complete collection. Every single Masters of the Universe revelation figure nice. that there is. I own Hell because yeah. I I was a collector of the original series back in 84. But when I got old, got married, then got divorced, I gave my son all my old action figures, my right. eldest son. I don't know whatever happened to him. I know an unpackaged Moss Man is worth like 80 bucks used. So I would have kept that collection intact, but I've started building a new collection and I've got I've got way too many. I've got Grace. <laughs> I, I never could afford Grace Skull as a kid, so I've got Grace Skull now. My wife got me Grace Skull for Christmas. I got oh, like limited best. editions. I've got 
I got my Masters of the Universe collection is my biggest collection, and I love it. Nice. But I'm just a kid. I've always been a big old kid. Yeah. But so that is another way I relate. Like, I love kid shit. I love cartoons. I love mm-hmm. sitting with my 17-year-old and watching Rick and Morty, you know. Uh, and she's since grown out of the theater and the music and stuff a little bit. She still loves music and she still loves art and entertainment and stuff like that, but she just doesn't pursue it like I do. No one in my family really has that like crazy gene that I have yeah. that makes me pursue my my heart's desires at nauseum. No one else no one else has that. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> we could only have one wild one right, wild one. Right, right, right. I the torch may be passed one day though. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but no, dude, but I love that. He played uh my youngest daughter played uh played Rafiki in a in a play of the Lion King at her school. Nice. And when she sang uh He Lives in You, it was I it was one of my proudest moments as a father. And it was just a, a real treat. And I'll I'll send you the link to that too so you oh, can please post do. it and maybe your viewers will want to see that. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's awesome. I'll have that in the show notes for sure. Cool. Yes, sir. Well, man, dude, I, like I said, we finally got to catch up and chat here, and I've lost track, but I know it's gone over an hour, but it feels like we've just gotten started. But, dude, you're I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, you're welcome back anytime you want to come on this show. You want to flip it around. You, you. want to interview me. However you want to do it, the oh, yeah. door is open. But yeah. speaking of interviewing me, I think it's time <laughs> we, uh, we flip the script a little bit right now. Uh-oh. And maybe give people a little teaser of that. And I'm going to shut my hole for a little bit and let you ask some questions. And we'll see where it goes, man. Like, But this has been fun for me, and I don't think that's going to stop right now either. The moment you've all been waiting for. Yes. I get to be chocolate. the interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my first question for you is Yes, this. sir. I'm going to ask you a lot of wrestling-based questions because I know that's where your uh, a lot of your passion lies. That's and fine. I grew up loving wrestling, so I want to see if we're as similar as I think we might be. All right. What is your favorite era of wrestling and your favorite entity, uh, whether it be WWF back in the day, WCW, Nitro, whatever, what is your favorite, or ECW, whatever. What is your favorite branch of wrestling and your favorite, what, what decade really was your favorite uh stuff going on in wrestling man so this is it, it's gonna be a one 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 a for like favorite era of wrestling because like 2002 to 2007-ish was like peak fandom for me outside of the whole Vince McMahon versus God thing with WWE but you know like that's <laughs> when I got in I got hooked hook line and sinker I knew I wanted to be a wrestler like 2002 to 2007 is like always going to be special to me just because that's when I got in. But as far as like peak era to watch, man, it's definitely like mid to late eighties. Um, Come on, man. I was hoping you were going to say that <laughs> Jim nice. Crockett promotions and a little bit of AWA too. Cause if you go back and watch somebody like Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Henning have their hour long match for the AWA <laughs> title before he was Mr. Perfect. And you see Hulk Hogan there before he was Hulk Hogan. Like, dude, there's just, like, all this stuff that people today may not even know about. But selfishly, it's where I steal so much of my stuff from because nobody else wants to do that. So, easy pickings for me. For me, WrestleMania three was one of the greatest events of all time, ever. Hands down. Across 
the entire entertainment genre. Absolutely. And, and that's what it is. It's entertainment. And that's why I think our stories are similar. Yes. Because it's the pursuit of excellence in an entertainment field. 100% spot on. Um, okay, so I've got another question for you. Yep. I have to think of... Okay. Bobby the Brain Heenan or Jimmy Hart? Oh, man. Uh, that That's a tough one. But without a doubt, I'm going to have to go with the Brain just because... He wore so many hats behind the scenes that people may not have known about. The fact that he was actually a wrestler back in the day before he became a manager. Like he just understood every facet of the of the wrestling business that he was in. He knew how to make his guy look like a million bucks. If the you know, the good guy or the protagonist finally got their hands on him, he knew how to make it mean something. And he was also that guy where if his guy was fired from the territory or taken out of a match for an injury or whatever reason, you could plug him in and he would 100% still sell that building out because people wanted to see him get beat. He was that entertaining. But Jimmy Hart, got to give him his credit too because that guy's still doing it to this day and he knows how to promote. He knows how to sell. He knows what he's doing too. And he's a Tennessee guy. So another (laughs) notch in my book. That's right. Um, Okay. Here's another one. (laughs) <laughs> better body type ultimate warrior or rick rude oh man okay they're both amazing let me go ahead and preface that now but i'm gonna go ahead and say rick rude even though you know like he was more upper body and didn't put a lot of focus on legs rick rude was i just because i was more of a fan of his anyway so <laughs> yeah Rick Rude was the guy for me. The mustache, the perm, the mullet, whatever hair he was rocking, man. He never looked bad, and his his physique was always consistent. Whereas, you know, like the Ultimate Warriors would fluctuate for obvious reasons. God rest his soul. But, you know, you'd have people speculating, is that the real guy? Is that a different guy? But with Rick Rude, he was always consistent no matter what. So that's my okay, guy. Okay, okay. That's good. That's real good. Best mascot. Oh. Between, wait, hold on. Best mascot. Okay, wait. We're gonna go, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, with his a Komodo dragon yep. that he came into on the stage with, or Jake the Snake's Python. Okay, because I hate snakes with a passion. I am <laughs> deathly afraid of snakes. I did have one wrapped around me at a benefit show, uh, by a guy who also did a Jake Roberts gimmick. Um, I have not forgiven anybody for that one. But I'm going to go with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat just because I'd rather hold a, you know, Komodo Dragon than I would uh, a python. And the funny part of that part is, too, Jake Roberts was scared of the snakes, but he still did it. The money talked. But you couldn't pay me enough for that. (laughs) You ever bring in a prop like Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the 2x4? I actually, uh, I started doing it before I retired the second time in 2018. Uh, I started carrying an axe handle. Um, I've got a, a cousin that wrestles, too. His whole character was a lumberjack. And, you know, inadvertently it ended up being a little, like, show of respect for him. But I was wrestling a lot of bigger guys. And they had just also debuted Negan on The Walking Dead. So I can't obviously carry a baseball bat to the ring. But I figured... With chain wrap. With, uh, with, exactly. With chain, barbed wire. Barbed wire. Somebody's got to bleed at that point. But, you know, I started doing that. Just because, you know, again, too, fans can get rowdy. I'm 5'7 on a good day. Most of them are taller than me. But, you know, again, too, if I'm going to beat a guy that may be a lot bigger than me, it makes sense to have a weapon that I can get that little cheap shot in with and 
get my win. And since I've come back, I've also started adapting that into, you know, into my matches as well. So mm. it's going to be the axe handle. Nice. Nice. Nice choice. Yes, sir. Have you ever, have you ever cut yourself with a razor blade to, to, to make a fan excited at their bloodlust? Oh, um, let's see. I think I've done it maybe three times total. And one of the times, man, like I, it, the blood just would not come. I, it's a very oh. weird thing. But in saying that one of the matches where the blood did come, um, I've actually talked about this, uh, on a previous episode, you know, a few months back, but the guy that was in the match with me did not properly tape his instrument down. That was meant for him to bleed as well. And it ended up like when he went to grab my leg, it got the inside of my quadricep right there. Thankfully, no femoral arteries were damaged, oh, but geez. I've still got the scar to this day, but I didn't even realize it happened until I got back in the locker room and, you know, I'm sitting there in a white singlet that's covered with blood and I just think, okay, the blood dripped down here. I go to change and I'm like, oh, I've got a pair of lips on the inside of my leg. They're talking to me. Oh like, geez. Yeah. I mean, it's like thankfully, you know, like it healed up, but after that, man, I never really did anything like that again, too, because one, I figured out we weren't getting paid enough. But two, you know, even for the sake of a story, if we can tell it a different way, the fans will still be just as invested without me leaving a big like Abdul the Butcher size scar across my forehead, mm. too. But you know, that's man. I've done it three times and two of them worked out in my favor and well We'll say one worked out of my favor because one also <laughs> resulted in, you know, the old scar down there. But, you know, it's it's a thing that I'm I'm kind of glad wrestling has gotten away from to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. But again, too, you know, like you can book around stories like that where you don't have to get that. But yeah, but you've also got that experience. So you can yep. say you, you can say you've done that, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Um let me bring let me bring because a lot of our fans that are listening and paying attention might not know of any of these fucking wrestlers I've been talking yep. about. So let me bring you current. <clears throat> and let's shorten the sample size. Okay. Best transition from the ring to film. The Rock, John Cena. Now, granted, The Rock has a way bigger sample size, right? Yeah. So we're not doing that. We're gonna say his first couple of films. We'll say Scorpion King, The Rundown, versus uh, John Cena in Trainwreck. And we can even talk about Peacemaker a little bit if you want. If Peacemaker is going to be in there, then it's going to be it's gonna be John Cena. I'm a fan of all of it. But then again, too, if I had to, if there was a third choice, I definitely would have said Batista just because nice. that dude, again, same kind of similar story here, bet everything on himself. Went broke to become an actor, and then you know hit that sweet spot getting Drax. But out of those, those yeah, out of yeah, those two choices, I, I, and and that's my era. I would have no, added Batista too. Yeah, we throw let's throw Batista in the mix too. Yeah, just just because he went out of his way to like be welcoming to me when I was an extra for WWE. Like that guy is always going to be my number one. But that's awesome, dude. John Cena, just give him props because everybody thought. He wasn't going to be able to do it. He was too robotic or he was too yeah. this or that. But, I mean, this dude is making millions now, and he's following right in The Rock's footsteps, and The Rock opened the door for everybody. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the a tough thing, choice. The thing, the thing that's so impressive about what Cena's doing with Peacemaker and with, with Suicide Squad is that he went from, say, say you're looking at a sample of The Marine. When he did The Marine, yep. 
He didn't really know how to act very well in that type of a thing. Yeah, he's a big, cool-looking action dude. Yeah. But the chops weren't weren't really there. Yeah. And the writing wasn't great, so it couldn't it couldn't embellish on his qualities. Right. Now the thing that James Gunn does better than any fucking director in the world is he knows he knows his actors. Yes. He knows he knows how to make every one of them shine oh, at any yeah. given moment. And what he did on the Peacemaker series, the movie was great. It was it was it was fantastic. It was head and tails better to me than the original, but I'm not a hater of the original. I'm right. glad we have both. Of course. I'm I'm the guy that's just happy we got so much shit to choose from. Exactly. But the the work he did in Peacemaker to make you sympathize with a character that was kind of a douchebag to start with. Yep. Right? And then you go on this journey of redemption with him and to see his heart and this, I didn't know that dude was so skilled at the piano. That was him actually yeah, playing Yeah, that was the piano. him actually doing it. Yeah, and just to see him develop and his comedic chops, I never would have ever pegged that before mm-hmm. actually sitting and watching him. And I'm blown away by it. Yeah. Your story, Batista, like what he did coming in and, and doing Drax, and he's done a lot of stuff where he's kind of been, you know, the bad, the, the muscle for the bad guy yeah. or whatever. Uh, and that's cool. That's kind of... Too little spot on for me. Yeah, but but Drax is is comedic. He's you know he's he's way more charismatic. Oh yeah. Even though it's kind of an anti charisma thing that yeah. he does. It, it, it so, works so well. Yeah, it's so it works so well. It's so endearing. Yeah. And then I and then I saw him in the movie with the kid where he was the I can't think of the name of the flick. Is it? Uh, it was. It's Stuber? on Netflix. Stuber. Yeah. I. I liked Stuber a lot. I thought that was <laughs> so super good. cute. It was a really good movie. His performance was great. And I think anytime you can go and really flip the script, and The Rock did lay this this floor plan yes, out. Sir. And he's he's had a beautiful career. Absolutely. Um, if you can follow that kind of floor plan, and I just, nothing but props for these guys, man. Absolutely. They go from putting their bodies on the line regularly, mm-hmm. and then to be able to do that and be so endearing, and bring so much heart and so much character to, to these characters that we love. Yeah, like it's it's amazing. I love it. Absolutely. And then I just got to give credit to James Gunn too, because you know, going back to the Marine that you referenced, like, dude, Robert uh, Robert Patrick and John Cena had chemistry then. All these years later, they have it now in Peacemaker. And Robert Patrick, nice like, pull. Yes, nice pull. By the way, the perfect foil <laughs> to make make him a sympathetic character. It was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, how do you make a douchebag sympathetic? Oh, you make his his father the head of the Aryan nation and a, and a real douchebag? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's let's do that. And he he did it <laughs> so brilliant, well, man. man. It was so good and like just I'm glad I'm hoping that they're going to keep him around as we saw at the end of the first season. I'm hoping they're going to keep him around because that chemistry was just magic. Yeah, even if it's just like his psyche talking to him yeah. like this this crazy ghost following him around, that'd be great. Yep. Oh, always and- talking always telling him he's not good enough, you know. Yep. And then, of course, too, we can't forget that somebody we mentioned earlier in the show, the ever famous, ever legendary D. Bradley Baker, is the voice yes. of Eagly. Let's just not let's not downplay yes. that fact. Man, who knew you could have a whole career in creature voices and, and sounds and just he is so so phenomenal. Okay, so those of you that don't know, D. Bradley Baker is the voice of all the clones yep. in the Star Wars Clone Wars in uh, the Bad Batch. He plays all the clone voices. Mm-hmm. He's the one of the best, most 
creative voice actors of all time. He uses like his nasal passages to come up with sounds that no one's ever even heard of before. Yeah. He can mimic anything from insects to birds to uh, old creatures to creatures that don't really exist. The dude is amazing. Yes. And I know we mentioned it before, but if you want to get into voice acting and it's something that you're really serious about, I would suggest doing three things. One, get you an education on the YouTube channel, VO Buzz Weekly. Two, go to www.iwantobeavoiceactor.com, which D. Bradley Baker put together, and it's got step-by-step -step everything that you really need to know. Absolutely. Everything. And number three, come check out Bloomvox Studios. C come check out Bloomvox. There's a there's a little a free little, uh, I think it's a webinar on the website. Yep. Not a webinar, but at least like a 20-minute kind of introductory video mm -hmm. that kind of tells you what it's about. But take it from a couple of students and oh, and. Yeah. and and all of us, we all find great value in the in the classes. We find great value in the community that's not even expressed on yep. on the whole class aspect because we're we're our own community. Like we talk to each other, we uplift each other, we share encouragement to each other. And some of us have even branched off and done our own thing. Eric Horowitz is a good oh, friend yeah. of mine who's also in the class, and he does he's created a thing called the Potchke Audio Chronicles. Uh, they're in season two coming up, and I'm now a part of that. So the friendships, the uh, the mentorship, I find myself mentoring some of the young students all the time that will come and ask me questions. And I never want to be the dude that is unapproachable, really. So I make myself as available as I can and through my social medias and everything. So, I mean, I've I've helped several people make some voiceover decisions, and I'm not anywhere near an expert and that's the thing that's beautiful though is we all help each other and we're all constantly growing absolutely. and learning and evolving absolutely and that's 100 percent one of the main reasons that i wanted to have you on here tonight is because you know again like you're so giving like you are repeating the process of what steve has done and what all these other guys have done and you're helping those that haven't been to where you are going yet or where, where they want to go yet. You've been there because you've started out. You've got to find your own niche. They've got to find their own niche, but you're still there to help them find their way, even if it's a separate path from the one you took. Like, you've been so giving, and you just exemplify that to a T, and it's it's so amazing to see a community where people actually help each other as opposed to, you know, saying nice things to your face and then knife in the back as soon as you walk away. It's so nice to see that difference there. I appreciate that. I, yes, sir. You know, I don't do it for accolades. I don't do it to be noticed. But I do it because it's it's what I wish someone and what people are doing for me. Absolutely. It's, it, we pay it forward when you're yep. when you're when you're given opportunity to do so. You pay it forward. You yep. might not be in a position to to help in a real way, but I was I was able to help maybe a young artist with a with a new microphone. I gave my old microphone to him or or nice. sold at a, at a very discounted rate to another actor who right, was trying to right. up his game. And it's, or just advice or allowing them to come into a Zoom session with you and just ask questions and test each other's source connects, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, being available and knowing that there are people available to help you also, it's priceless. Absolutely, man. And guys, if you haven't, or if you want to get connected with Heath, I'm going to have links to everything for him in the show notes. 
I'm also going to have links to D. Bradley Baker's website. I'm going to have links to Bloomvox. I'm also going to have links to everything we've talked about here. So make sure that you scroll through those links. I know it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be well worth your time, especially if you're looking to step into this world or kind of get a feel for what it's like and see if it's right for you. We're going to have everything there to make it happen. But They'd be like, um, I'm sorry, but we're not accepting any more voice acting candidates. All the roles are 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 currently filled. You're going to have to probably go check out R&B music, if you will. <laughs> no, come on in. Yeah. We're so welcoming. We're so warm. Come on and join us. There's, there's plenty of room. That's it. Come At on. this point, too, just come in. Drink the Kool-Aid. What more do you have to lose? We're going to have some fun here. And if you don't, I mean, like you said, at least you tried and you're not going to live with regret knowing that, hey... I should have done that. You know, it's just going to be something that you may not even know that you had a passion or a talent for, and you're opened up to a whole wide world of new experiences that's also going to lead you to meeting a lot of great people here, like like me meeting Heath, Eric Horowitz, who I definitely have to have on this podcast. I've got to yeah, get connected absolutely. with him again because that guy has a wealth of stories I know that'll be entertaining to hear. But, guys, I'm going to have links to everything in here, and Heath, I know... Um, you know, like you've given me so much of your time here tonight, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity that we finally got to do this. And yeah. I got to learn more about you, and this has been a eye-opening and humbling experience for sure. So thank you for your time, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been an honor to be here on your show with you. Of course, uh, dude. You know, just, just to get to know you over these past couple of years via social media, and now to be able to actually sit down with you and, yep. and have conversations Man, it was like it's butter. It's Absolutely. like it's like it's like we've been friends for years and years and that's, years. That's that's the best part of this job, man. That is the best part of this job because once you get going, once you like learn about these people, man, like it's like you've known them for years and we live on opposite ends of the country, so we still haven't had the chance to meet face to face, but like you said, smooth as butter, like we've known each other for years, man, and I I'm grateful for these relationships and friendships that voiceover has allowed me to build and get to know these awesome people so thank you for Absolutely. for your friendship and for your time again man I, i'm just so humbled and so grateful that you wanted to be on here and like i said open door policy man you let me know we'll make it happen man i appreciate you so much and i i did i wanted to say something but i didn't want to bring it up during the during the interview process because we were having such a good time and i didn't yeah. want any downers or anything but i want to let you know that um, my heart is with you right now in your loss, Thank lost you, your dog. And Thank I am you. so sorry. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful friend. Yeah. You know, just, and if you want to close by maybe saying some words about your dog and that would mean a lot to me and probably Thank a you. lot of others too. I, I appreciate that, man. And you know, I know like everybody knows that I, I do record these episodes, you know, in advance because I'm, I want to make sure I don't miss a week for you guys. Um, but, you know, you'll hear in some previous episodes well after the fact, if you follow me on social media, um, at the start of the year, we did lose our youngest pit bull, Mo, uh, to stomach cancer after about seven months of being in and out of the emergency vet. And that was, that was gut-wrenching in and of itself. And then almost two months to the day, as we're recording this, it was yesterday, um, we had to take our oldest pit bull, Elliot, who I had before I met my wife, before my kids were born. Um, basically, last-minute rescue from Tennessee Death Row Dogs. Um, I saw his profile on there. He was At 11.30 at night, he was 30 minutes away from being euthanized if nobody had responded. I sent an email at 11.35. I got an email back at 11.43. 
said, come pick him up the next day. We did it. Uh, my girlfriend at the time actually went and picked him up because I was still at work. We were going to meet at a friend's house. And, you know, I just saw this pitiful, pitiful looking face laying in a cage, um, orange collar, big brown eyes. It's like, I've, I've got to have him. I've got to, you know, I'm, if I have to call him this late at night, I'm going to do it. So she goes to pick him up. We meet at a friend's house. And before she even gets in the house, like, you know, uh, my friend Chris's girlfriend hears the door of her car close, opens the door. Here comes this, like, 60-pound dog just barreling in the door, beeline to me, knocks my beer out of my hand, and just starts drinking it off the floor. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's... This That's this is one. my dog. Yeah, That's I was meant to have him. And, you know, it's like he, I kept him and his sister um, through splitting up with that girlfriend. He survived, you know, like me getting married, us having kids. He was there through all of it, man. And it's just like that was my best friend. That was my spirit animal. If I was happy, sad, whatever it was, like he embodied those emotions. And, you know, if I was ever down, he would always remind me he was there and you know, just nudge my hand, beg for food, whatever it was, man. He, uh, he would do it. Like I, when we first got him, he was wild. I would come home from work and the house would be destroyed, like (laughs) chip bags destroyed, bread, whatever it was, but you couldn't be mad at him. And, um, you know, it's like after, uh, after his brother died, you know, things, I was kind of worried because, you know, they say if you split two dogs up, if you don't have another companion, they can just go downhill. Well, we did end up adopting another pit bull uh, about a month ago at this point now, but just in the last couple of weeks, he lost use of his back legs. You know, like we'd noticed that his back hips were kind of bending in and, um, you know, we took him to the vet. He couldn't walk. He couldn't really go to the bathroom, anything. And it's like you pick him up and he just, he loses all control and goes to the bathroom on you. So we took him to the vet. And they sent us to the emergency vet, and he stayed there overnight, got an MRI and all that. And they're like, you know, it could either be a herniated disc or it could be a tumor on the spine. We just want to go ahead and let you know that those are what we're looking at. These are the options. And unfortunately, I got the call as I was picking up one of my uh, kids from school that that was the tumor was what it was. He had an inoperable tumor. an operable tumor on his spine and there was no way to do it and to give him the best quality of life was not going to be an option moving forward but if he couldn't walk and you know it's either you can euthanize him or he's just going to continue to deteriorate and be miserable and I made the choice to go alone I let my wife stay home with our youngest and she had to go pick up uh, our other pit bull from the vet because he's having heartworm treatments done and you know, it was just, Man. it was the hardest thing I had to do. But at the same time, like, I, I cried. I felt sick. I had a, a migraine. I couldn't see straight. It was like losing a child yeah. because that was yeah. my that was my baby. But at the same time, too, it's like when he went, I, uh, man, I just, I cried. I cried some more. I took today off of work to just decompressed but at the same time it's like as much as I'm going to miss not having him here now it's just like I can't be sad as much as I thought I would be because I have a decades worth of memories with him and you know it's like I, I, 
I'm just grateful for that right there because, you know, you hear the stories about pit bulls being bad around kids or whatever, but that dog was the guard dog for my kids. Like they wanted him to sleep with them. If he stopped sleeping with me to go sleep with them, I got replaced. But you know, it's like, I'm going to miss him like every day. There's, there's no doubt about that. But like the fact that I have all these memories and all these videos of silly stuff that he did or, you know, him growling at me because I wouldn't give him food. Like I'm going to have all that for the rest of my life. And I'm just glad that I got to be the one that gave him that life that, was so he was so close to losing just because like his foster family didn't want to take care of him so right. like I'll I'll always be grateful for that too and you know same thing with the dog that I I just adopted now rescues are like the biggest passion of mine outside of what we're doing now and voiceover everything else like I will always whether it's cats, dogs, whatever, if you can give one of these like downtrodden animals that can't yes. defend itself a home yeah. and you can give them a forever home, please do. You know, like just And that's and that's exactly what I got from everything was yeah. you took you took you took a dog that was moments really from from death. Yeah. And you extended its life in turn saving both of your lives yeah. oh, and yeah. creating a bond that you're never going to forget. Exactly. And that's, man, that, like that's I, awesome. Like I said in the post about him, too, you know, it's like every dog I've had was special. But that dog, he wasn't my first rescue, but he's the one that made me a for sure rescue advocate, a yeah. pit bull lover, and a pit bull advocate, too. Like that dog saved me in more ways than anybody will ever realize. And, you know, I, I saved him, but I give him more credit for everything he did for me yeah. because he was my yeah. best friend. And pit bulls get a bad rap. Yes, I had pit do. bulls when I could have dogs. My dog of choice is a pit bull. Yeah, it's a red. No- I had a red nose named Nala, nice. <clears throat> and uh, she ended up getting sick. But I mean, they're they're a, they're a reflection of their training of yes. their of their masters. So if their master is an asshole, they're going to be an asshole dog. One hundred percent. That's how animals are. They are mirrors of who they are connected to. Yep. That, that's so if 100%. you raise them right, you treat them right, then they'll they'll treat your kids right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I don't. I know think what that's I'm, awesome. Thank you, and thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it too. Because I, I really, you know, outside of that, I suck at I, the posts I did. I suck at opening up about stuff like that. So thank you for you know giving me the opportunity to do that too. So absolutely. Hopefully, it'll encourage people if they're you know whether you can't adopt but you can help out at your local humane society or rescue shelter. Please do. It, it it makes a world of difference, and it saves lives. And, you know, again, too, any little bit helps. Just help out how you can. Bring somebody into your family if you can give them that forever home and just give them the life that they deserve. Hey, that's, a perf- that's a perfect place right there, buddy. Absolutely. Well, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in here tonight for myself for just jeff over here working his wizardry on the engineering side and heath for telling your story and being so generous man just thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being here for this special episode and guys thank you all for tuning in as well you know i'll be back with you next week with another awesome episode then but until then go out and do some good in the world adopt a pet if you can help save their life and just get caught up on these episodes and get connected with us because we want to connect with you too So for myself, for Heath, for Jeff, we want to thank you all, and we'll talk to you again soon. And I know you hear me.
The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.